0: to our discussion point and you know I don't want to say the same thing every Easter I've got to think about that I've been a university lecturer as you know for a long time and I never like saying the same thing twice so you know I'm looking around for something that will be of value to us but is not necessarily what you're going to see on YouTube when you get home today and uh, what you might hear more traditionally in in church services. And I know that on Friday we're supposed to be sad and on Sunday we're supposed to be happy. But actually I think we should be happy all the time because we're not actually reliving the crucifixion. It was once for all which means once and for all a one time event in human history. But it was also for all in the sense that it was for All people on this planet who have lived, who are living and who will live. It was one of those events that reaches out into the past and into the future like no other event in history. And I want to focus primarily on the statement that Jesus made to one of the criminals who was crucified with him. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Our scripture is from Luke chapter 23, verses 32 to 43. Two others, both criminals, were let out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, also known as Calvary, They nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. Couple of points that I'd like to make. The first is in relation to, to the criminals. A crucifixion was actually pretty common in the Roman Empire. Usually it was reserved for people in the lower socioeconomic strata of the society. Romans were also crucified. It wasn't something that was reserved only for those who were not Roman citizens. Women were crucified. It was not something that was reserved only for men. And sometimes people were crucified for merely petty crimes. But mostly it would appear from historical documents that those who were crucified had committed crimes with violence or were guilty of insurrection. And One thing the Romans would not put up with was any kind of insurrection. They literally ruled with an iron fist. One of the reasons why the Roman Empire was so extensive and lasted so long was that they would brook no opposition of any kind. I mentioned last week that during Passover, Pilate would ride through Jerusalem on a white horse accompanied by soldiers as a reminder to the people that they were under the thumb of their Roman rulers. I reminded us also last week that most Jews were very, very poor, and many were living at or below starvation level. It was a dreadful time to be alive, in fact, unless you were born to the nobility. In all likelihood, the two criminals who were crucified with Jesus were violent criminals. In other words, they robbed with violence. A study of the, um, the Greek wording used in the Gospels of Mark and I think Matthew would indicate that. If they weren't robbers who engaged in violence, They were insurrectionists. And of course, as I've already mentioned, the Romans would not put up with any opposition whatsoever. So under Roman law, it certainly seems that the two who were crucified with Jesus actually deserved to be crucified. This makes the statement that Jesus made Today, you will be with me in paradise, all the more impacting. I have no idea whether this is good doctrine or not, but I think we should consider whether or not the criminal whom Jesus spoke to may well have actually been the first ever Christian. He may have been the first ever Christian. And you know what? He didn't have a fancy speech. He didn't run to the front of the temple. He didn't cry out, What a wretched sinner I am. But he did acknowledge that he was someone who actually deserved the punishment that was being meted out. To him. It's interesting, isn't it? Jesus didn't speak to the other robber. The robber who mocked him, and incidentally, the soldiers and the crowd who mocked him, Jesus never really addressed them at all. But he did address the criminal who knew who he was. The criminal knew who he was. He knew that he was somewhat deserving of death. Don't you fear God, even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, you know, that's just a few words, and we can gloss over that. You can go on YouTube when you get home if you want, and you can look at half a dozen sermons on the seven sayings of Jesus from the cross. This was one of them. Today, you will be with me in paradise. But we don't always stop and consider what he's meant by the term paradise. You know, this criminal on the cross, he recognised who Jesus was because he used his name. And he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now that was a phrase, remember me was a phrase that was common at the time. And often, often, people would say, remember me to those whom it was believed were destined for high office. And we we have similar kinds of expressions today, don't we? Remember me when you become, you know, um, a prominent business person or a prominent politician or, or a prominent leader in the community. You know, we we want to be friends with the people who have influence. This man said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He knew, he knew that Jesus would usher in the kingdom of God, sometimes referred to in the Bible as heaven. So this criminal understood that Jesus would come again and would establish for the rest of eternity the kingdom of God. Now we know that in a sense the kingdom came when Jesus was resurrected. But the kingdom is still unfolding and will continue to do so and it will be fully consummated when Jesus comes a second time. But this criminal knew who he was and he knew who Jesus was. And isn't that what salvation is fundamentally about? We know who we are and we know who Jesus is. And upon that confession, Jesus said to the criminal, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, we need, I think, to do the best we can to understand what Jesus meant when he used that word paradise. Now, this can get us into a lot of trouble. And a few Easter's ago. The title of my discussion point on the Sunday was, where was Jesus for the three days between his crucifixion and his resurrection? And among other things, I pointed out that. The Nicene Creed and the Apostles Creed, which are accepted by most Christian churches, as well as the Athanasian um, Creed, which is fairly similar. Those, the two creeds, the Nicene Creed and the Apostles Creed, which is the Apostles Creed came a bit later than the Nicene Creed. But there's one major distinction between those two creeds. The Apostles Creed says that Jesus descended into hell. Now, the point I made when I spoke that message a few years ago was that I don't believe Jesus did go to hell. Two reasons primarily. One is Jesus declared that it was finished. To is the Greek word which means it's finished, it's over with and done. Everything that Jesus had come to do, he had done. He had defeated Satan. He didn't have to go to hell and fight against satan and all of the fallen angels down there that wasn't necessary unless you don't believe it was really finished when he said it was finished the other piece of evidence is that jesus said to the criminal today today you will be with me in paradise he didn't say you will be with me in hell now I'm not going to go through all of the points I made uh, a few years ago but the Jews around about this time understood that when we died we went to what they called uh, Gehenna Uh, in the New Testament it's referred to as Hades Hades which is best understood as a kind of holding place where those who have died remain until the judgment day. And the judgment day of course comes when Jesus returns a second time. In Hebrew thinking, paradise was like Eden, the garden of Eden. The word, or the Greek word, which is translated paradise is used three times in the New Testament. Uh, Once here, when Jesus is speaking to the criminal, Paul uses it in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2 to 4, where in some translations, he talks about a third heaven. That's really confusing. Um, In in the, the, the Jewish literature, There can be as many as 365 heavens. Um, Some documents refer to seven heavens. Some refer to three heavens. Most likely in that case, Paul was, as it says, caught up to what we call heaven, the dwelling place of God. Now, probably his use of the term third heaven is the, the highest heaven in Jewish thinking. Remember, he was, he was actually writing to Greeks here, but he, he most likely was using the word paradise to refer to the heaven where God dwells. The words also used in, in, uh, in the book of Revelation Where again, it refers to the heavenly dwelling place of God. But in this use here, most likely it is actually referring to what is usually translated Hades in the New Testament. Now, I want to read for you the story. Many people call it a parable of the rich man and Lazarus. This is in Luke. 16 I'm going to read from the New King James Version Luke 16 verses 19 to 31 by about this time in in history the Jews had a concept of this holding places being of two divisions One division was where people who were destined for hell go. And one division was where people who were destined for heaven go. And Jesus told this parable. He he was addressing the whole issue of wealth and salvation. Now, many people today are saying, well, you know, it's really difficult for wealthy people to go to heaven. But that wasn't the point back then most people who were wealthy did it through the exploitation of the poor and of course some people are still doing that today but the way in which business is done has been heavily influenced by Christian thinking and I suspect that particularly since about 1850 when the British Parliament passed laws that established what we call joint stock companies or publicly listed companies that actually lifted the standards of, of business, because business came under much closer scrutiny, both by governments and by the people in general who became shareholders or stockholders in these businesses. But back then, it was very common, almost universal, for rich people to have become rich because they exploited the poor people. So Jesus was probably not saying, if you're rich, you're done for. And one reason for that is that Abraham, who was a very, very wealthy man, features in this parable. So verse 19 of Luke 16, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. He desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one, though one rise from the dead. So here we have this picture of Hades or Gehenna, the place where we go when we die. In that place, there is separation between those who are followers of Jesus Christ, we call them Christians, and those who are not. And of course, it's too late to change your mind once you are there. And that's what was the fate Of the rich man. It's interesting, isn't it, that when the rich man cried to Abraham, he said, Send Lazarus. (laughs) The rich man still didn't understand. Send that Lazarus to ease me from my discomfort. Send Lazarus. He never really understood, did he? That it was a personal decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ. There's nothing that Lazarus could do. Nothing. Nothing that Lazarus, nor Abraham, for that matter. Nothing they could do. Because between us and you, a great gulf is fixed. So that those who want to pass from here to you cannot nor can those from there pass to us. So Jesus said to the criminal on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. In that part of Hades where Abraham now is, where Lazarus now is. You know, it's a question so many people ask, isn't it? Where do I go when I die? And, uh, you know, many say, oh, well, we just go to heaven. But what, what do we mean when we say we just go to heaven? Many people, of course, have tried to answer that question. And we know that there will come a time when all the dead are resurrected. But until that time, the Bible seems to indicate that we reside in a place called Hades. It's not hell. That's a different place. It's a kind of state in which we're in when our bodies and our spirit and souls are not united. There's separation. The the body is united again with the spirit and the soul at resurrection. Right? But when we die, if we have acknowledged who we are and acknowledged who Jesus Christ is, we join him in paradise. Uh, Michael Byrd, who's an Australian theologian, has written a, a very uh, or detailed systematic theology. He argues this case um, very forcefully that when we die, just like the criminal, we will be together with Jesus in paradise. And there will ultimately come a time at the end of human history when all who have died are resurrected. And at that time, the great judgment will occur. And those who are Christians will be judged in terms of their rewards, and if you like, their positions, in heaven and those who have rejected jesus christ will actually end up with satan and all the fallen angels whom we call demons in a lake of fire but that's for another time the point here is that a criminal did nothing more than acknowledge who he was and acknowledge who Jesus was and he arguably became the first Christian in history in response Jesus did not say to him you have committed a heinous crime either insurrection against the political uh, elite or robbery with violence he possibly even had killed someone Jesus never said anything about that And the same applies to us today. As my brother said, he'd make a bad Christian. Jesus loves bad Christians. It doesn't make any difference. He'll sort us out later. All of us at one time or another have been like the criminal on the cross. And we, like him, have said Jesus. Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. His response, I assure you, I assure you. Some translations say, verily. Some say, truly. It is truth today. That is the day you die. You will be with him in paradise. You might get to have a chat to Abraham. You never know. You might get to have a chat to Lazarus. You never know. And when you do, by the way, you can ask him to solve the mystery that theologians haven't yet settled, whether that was actually a parable or whether Jesus was actually telling a true story. Theologians haven't got that one settled yet. Some say because a name was used, it wasn't a parable. But who knows? doesn't really matter all that much well that's um that's good Friday a good day a good day certainly a good day for us a day that changed human history perhaps one of the most important days in history the day that